Hi, this is Anna. Welcome to the Before You Quit podcast, where we bring courage and perspective when solving gets hard. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody, want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these Before You Quit podcasts. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. So during the uh, COVID-19 season, I I have been talking to some friends, asking their opinion on how are we going to refer back to this time a year, five years, ten years from now. Uh, You know, we have major events in history. We look back and we say it was 9-11. Everybody knows what that means. JFK, shuttle disaster, you know, just, you know, Pearl Harbor. How are we going to refer back to this time? So I'm just going to call it the COVID-19 season. Uh, and during this season, COVID-19 season, I've been thinking a lot about what this will do, what is happening now to us and to our society, to our world, what it's going to do for the church, what it's doing to the church. Uh, will we be stronger for it? Is this one of these events in, in history that God will uh, use to sift the church? Uh, he's no doubt challenging us. Uh, will he sift those who are deeply committed to the gospel from those who are lukewarm and who have become accustomed in these months to not come to church and they're comfortable with that and uh, that's going to be sort of separated from those who are deeply committed uh, who have a high view high theology of the church and the gospel and uh, but i've been hearing you know great testimonies during this time of opportunities that people have to reach others uh, with the gospel of jesus christ of uh, you know people that they've never been able to reach uh, b- before in any other way and i've been hearing that from uh, people i'm closely connected with in england where we served for a, a decade way back in the 90s and that's wonderful uh, especially if the gospel is being proclaimed during that time that's uh, if there's going to be response and revival it assumes and uh, requires that the gospel is being preached Uh, so i've been reflecting a lot about those kind of things during this covid 19 season i say that again in air quotes Uh, i've been reflecting a lot about the gospel in america is the gospel taking root during this season and uh, what will our commitment to it be once things get back to some semblance of normal uh, well, I had the privilege of, of talking to uh, Brandon Kimber, who is a writer, a producer, a filmmaker, uh, about all of this. In fact, uh, Brandon is best known uh, by hundreds of thousands of people for producing the American Gospel documentary series that's uh, really taken the church by storm in the last couple of years. Uh, we'll be, he'll be talking some about the films. And we're, we'll actually place a link for these documentaries on our website. There, there's two of them, uh, The American Gospel, Christ Alone, The American Gospel, Christ Crucified. The first one has an hour free version on YouTube, and I'll be making that link as well as the website. Uh, but I really encourage you to access these films and show them to your friends, show them to your family, show them to your pastor, elders, because I, I think there's no greater time today than today for us to truly understand uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what has happened to the gospel in America. And in our, our conversation today, we're, we're going to be talking about the state of the gospel in America. So we're going to go ahead and jump into that uh, right away with uh, Brandon Kimber, producer, writer, filmmaker for the American Gospel documentary series. <music> Hey, 
All right. Well, I have the, the honor of having Kimber, or sorry, Brandon Kimber. I knew, I, I asked you how to pronounce your name and <laughs> it was easy to pronounce, but it's the arrangement of the name that I messed up there. Brandon Kimber. <laughs> so, so good to have you on the Before You Quit podcast today, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to be talking about uh, mainly, well, really the conversation is going to center around two documentaries that uh, that you've done that uh, this, this might be a, a little bit uh, over inflating to say this, but they've probably put you on the map, you know, in the evangelical world, um, the American yeah. gospel, uh, Christ, cruci- Christ alone and Christ crucified. And uh, just a powerful uh, documentary that uh, is bringing us, uh, you know, really back to the gospel, uh, the importance of the gospel in America. And, uh, and also a review of where that's not happening. So um, we have a common friend, and he, I think, connected us. So, again, yeah. I'm honored that you're, you're part of this. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, your family, and, and maybe what led you to do what you're doing now. Sure. Um, well, my name is Brandon Kimber. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised here. I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents were saved before I was born. I later in life learned that we were kind of in a uh, a charismatic denomination uh, that was influenced by the word of faith or prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what launched the idea for these films was based on my experience in growing up in church. Um, I have, uh, I have four children and a wife. Um, I work for a company called Transition Studios. Um, just, you know, right now we're doing documentary filmmaking full time. Um, I started working there about 10 years ago and as an intern right out of college. We were doing Crime Stoppers television program. So I was mm-hmm. involved with, with like crime TV. And the first two documentaries we did were in the crime genre. After that, you know, my boss just gave me permission idea, um, was able to become a reality. Um, so yeah, it's really just a, a personal project. Um, we're pretty small company and I'm really like the, the mind behind it, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So your, your, uh, vision passion for what led you to do these two uh, films on the gospel. What what was the what, was there a moment like a key moment where you you thought, man, we this has got to be addressed. You know that there, you know, uh, kind of a review of the gospel in America, um, what it isn't, what it is. Uh, what uh, tell a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, I don't know if there's one specific key moment, but maybe a lot of different moments. Um, again, growing up in uh, the charismatic church we were involved in, it was. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff was happening in that church and I was pretty young at the time. I think my memories at that time were from age 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this church had split from another church because of something called the Toronto blessing, oh, which yeah. was a revival um, that happened in the late nineties, early mid late nineties. Um, then that church still, is continuing mm. today. I believe it's called Catch the Fire Toronto. Um, but people from all over the world went to that place to 
catch the fire, experience the Holy Spirit. Um, and yeah, this would by, by the way, I was, really- I was, I was pastoring in England in the nineties and the, the British were providing the largest number of people to that phenomena. In fact, I think if I remember right, a thousand British a week were flying to wow. Toronto to attend that. And it was, it was in, infiltrating into our church. And, uh, wow. and, I, and not to take away from your story real quick, but it's just an interesting context. Because there was a, really a shift that took place in, in my own heart. Uh, and, and it came out of a burden and a concern that when I saw what that was yeah. and what it was doing to evangelicals in England, um, I, I really felt like I had to, do, to really own my own theology on this, you know, in terms of the gifts and the role of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, and I, re- I read uh, John MacArthur's Charismatic Chaos <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> as a yeah. result of that. And, uh, and that, yeah, that really settled uh, and, and took me down a, a particular trajectory theologically. So, yeah, but keep going. I just wanted to insert that because that's, a, that's an interesting focal point for both of us. I would say in that movement, the, they believe the Holy Spirit is manifesting in, in ways that I don't believe that Scripture says the Holy Spirit operates. Um, the whole, the, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, and what you saw there was the complete <laughs> lack, lack of, of self-control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, chaos, you know, like uh, holy laughter, barking like dogs, convulsing on the floor, the slain in the Spirit type mm-hmm. of thing you see. And it was, I would say, um, it, it was a revival not based in the preaching of the gospel. It was, um, you know, a lot of the videos you look back on, Apparently, the Holy Spirit made the preachers not able to talk, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're act, they're up there acting like they're drunk. And so, why would the Holy Spirit not allow the preaching of His Word? Um, you know, the preaching, the Holy Spirit uh, exalts and points to Christ. Um, and in that movement, the focus was on the Spirit and these crazy this crazy manifestations are supposed yeah so it's a, it's influencing your church and so for you personally yeah. there was an unease with that and did you have a reaction that i i need to know this gospel better and and some definite things began to happen in your own heart and mind yeah i i i would say i would there was always a sense of this is kind of weird i remember mm. we had uh an uncle of mine from out of the country, lived with us, and he visited the church one time, and he was like, "Man, you guys are in a cult." Wow! <laughs> and wow. looking back, I'm like, "Yeah, he was right." <laughs> mm. But my parents took us out of that church around age 15, and I think their main reason was we weren't being taught, especially the children, um, and they were looking for something better for us. And uh, I was in a Nazarene church for about a little over a decade after that. And, um, you know, in this, during this time, I was going to college. Um, my faith was being challenged there. I went to, you know, a secular university. That really f- kind of forced me into, like, wanting to own my faith, to understand why I believed what I believed. Hmm. And I came across some sermons over the internet that really articulated the gospel in a way that I had never heard before. Um, A more balanced understanding of God, which is something I kind of focus on in the second film, Christ Crucified. And this kind of just led me down this theological path 
that was very different from what I grew up in. And I started looking back at some of those, you know, that old, uh, the old church I grew up in and asking my parents questions about it. And these films came up again, or just in my life, uh, from this director named Darren Wilson. Uh, he's done some documentaries called Finger of God, Father of Lights, Holy Ghost. All, you know, all that he was presenting reminded me of my old church. I come to later find out that Darren was at Toronto as well. <laughs> um, he kind of got his inspiration to make these films based on that experience. Yeah, I, I've um, seen those. They're they're disturbing. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. So so it sounds like you ended up saying, "I've got to do something to counter this." Yeah, I mean, I think some of my family still had one foot in that charismatic movement. That the, the, they were reading books still from these, um, I would consider false teachers, uh, Copeland, Hinn. I remember, you know, we used to watch Benny Hinn uh, Crusades <laughs> on a VHS at our home, and we, my parents had been to some of those crusades. Um, we, we actually, they took us to the Toronto Blessing as well. So I started, you know, researching and finding out that the, this movement I grew up in had, you know, was an error and it, you know, it's called the word of faith movement that, and on top of, you know, on top of that, starting to clearly understand the gospel also at the same time, recognizing that in my church, the gospel was being assumed and not preached clearly. Mm. It kind of just created this burden. You know, I was discovering all this and wanted to figure out a way that I could share this with friends and family and help them understand in video and film, it was just kind of the logical step to take. Mm, mm, <laughs> and wow. I got the opportunity. And so, yeah, that's a powerful statement that the gospel was assumed and not, and not preached. I, that I find that to be the case in, in our denomination too, that we, we talk about how important the gospel is. And uh, one of the things we'll talk about here in a little bit is, is how the gospel it's not just something that a message that we give to unbelievers. It's something that we we need to be reminded yeah. of ourselves. And if if we talk about how important it is, but don't ever explain what it is, uh, then it, it it leaves people in a lurch. If they're ever even if they're given the opportunity to share the gospel, it's like, well, I think I remember hearing about it once. But if it's regularly taught, regularly emphasized, and yeah. lived, you're you know it's it's impacting your life, but also it's you've got the substance, the content to share with others. Um, so they, again, the two, the two, uh, documentaries, uh, they're both called American gospel. One's, uh, Christ alone. Uh, the other one is Christ crucified. Give a summary of what the message is in each of those. I've, I've seen them uh, a couple yeah. times each, but, uh, yeah, share, share what, uh, you know, what emerged out of your own heart that led to it and what, what they're about. So American gospel, Christ alone, the first film, the focus is on is Christianity Jesus plus. So the subtitle Christ alone is basically saying the gospel is just Christ. You can't add anything to the gospel. And so I examine different ways how adding to the gospel distorts the gospel. So one of the first things we talk about is works um, in the context of moralistic preaching. And moralistic preaching would just be preaching the commands of scripture 
and that's it. So Mm -hmm. do this and God's going to love you, accept you, forgive you. Don't do this. He's going to be disappointed. Yeah. Or be like you, you read the Bible and everything just kind of becomes about morality. You see like David or other biblical characters and it's just a be like this person message. Mm -hmm. And really the Bible shows all of these (laughs) great heroes of the faith as incredibly sinful. And the point is to point you to a savior who lived the perfect life and, you know, fulfilled the law and was a better king, a better judge, a better priest, you know, but that type of preaching really misunderstands the, that the gospel is like the overarching story of the entire Bible. After, after that in the film, I go into what's called the word of faith, the prosperity gospel. And this doctrine teaches that it's always God's will that you are healthy and wealthy and that you prosper. So it's, it's really like an idolatry issue because that becomes the focus. The reason this is, this message is so attractive is because by nature, our sinful hearts desire those things, desire to be healthy and wealthy. And so people are using Jesus as a means to get these other things in their life. And the true gospel doesn't promise those things. It promises suffering. Um, Of course, there's joy and peace within that suffering. And, you know, Paul talks about being content in all circumstances, but that really distorts the gospel in in a different way. So, that film is really Christ plus. So the second film, Christ Crucified, is Christ minus. So I kind of get into all the different offensive parts of the gospel that people try to subtract from the gospel. And that includes the atonement. It's one of the th- images or people call them theories of the atonement is penal substitution. The idea that Christ took the penalty for our sin. He died for our sins as a substitute in our place. Hell, the wrath of God, the justice of God, these are all uh, aspects of the gospel that I would say progressive Christianity likes to ignore. And so that's kind of the the theme um, is progressive Christianity. This is a movement that has a different view of the Bible. Um, they don't believe it is the word of God. They would just call it, it's written by men. They would acknowledge that, of course, but that's it. They would see the Bible is an evolving understanding of man's uh, view of God over time. So if they look at the Old Testament and the God of the Old Testament, they're going to say, well, you know, those times where God judged nations through the nation of Israel, that didn't really happen. That was just, uh, you know, Israel just misunderstood what God was asking them to do. Mm. God isn't really like that. What he's really like is what Jesus is like. But at the same time, they're really filtering Jesus as well. A move, a movement within progressive Christianity, they, they call it led, red letter Christianity. 
And they're really focused on Jesus's words as, well, this is the most important stuff. This is where we find the gospel. We can't find the gospel in Paul's epistles. Well, you're, you're, but, describing, you're describing progressive Christianity, maybe liberalism. Is it also a characteristic of the mainline or you know, what we would see as solid biblical churches? But again, it's like you said about the gospel, it's assumed and not talked about. Uh, are you seeing... Can you also say it's Christ minus in churches that we would look at as being, you know, solid, orthodox? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of that that influence within the Nazarene denomination mm-hmm. that I was in, which I had always thought was conservative, at least mm-hmm. from my perspective at the time. And one of the things that I, I have mentioned in the film is uh, there's this uh, Catholic priest he's like a franciscan priest named richard rohr who is like a huge influence on a lot of the major uh progressive christian leaders like rob bell rob bell, yeah. brian mclaren yeah. william paul young and rohr uh was like invited to speak at this uh 2017 uh young clergy conference for the nazarene church like that just kind of shows you how that influence has infiltrated mm, mm. even in my denomination which I, th- I think is similar to the nazarene uh i can and i i think people are are accustomed to me being a little bit uh rough on my own my own tribe but uh, that's fine um, that you can sit in a church, whether it's my denomination or another denomination or independent church, and and say, you know, I've been here long enough. I've been listening to this long enough, and it seems to me that the gospel really doesn't matter uh, because I'm not hearing it explained. I'm not hearing it articulated. You're not talking about repentance. You're not talking about yeah. what Christ, our Savior, has done for us. So let me let me ask you. Oh, by the way, this is I don't want to get distracted with this, but I'm I'm curious how you gathered people for the for the interviews because both both um, both films you have a lot of people that you're interviewing. Were these people that you sought out who just were recommended to you? How did that come together? I know this doesn't really yeah. help the conversation here, but you're satisfying my curiosity on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reached out to people who had influenced me. Some later were recommended to me after I had talked to other people. Um, so it the process started off with me making kind of a concept trailer, and I had interviewed a few local pastors and friends of mine mixed with, you know, clips of more well-known pastors that I mm-hmm. wasn't really having permission to use, but it was just a concept trailer. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was sent out in an email with, you know, a about me and about the project's um, kind of treatment of the documentary and with an inter- interview invite. So, hmm. It's tough to <laughs> do something like that when nobody knows who you are. And I, I, I don't blame people for having trust issues when you're talking about a topic as important as this. Um, in some cases, that was an issue. And I had to basically offer people the ability to withhold signing their appearance releases until they saw the completed Mm. film so Mm. that kind of removed the trust issue they could be you know assured that i wouldn't take their words out of context because they'd see it 
and yeah, approve that's it. That's and good. That's integrity. So that that was Beautiful. helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long how long did it uh, for the the first film, for example, from start to finish? How long did it take you? I started doing research in 2015 and was shooting a few interviews. You know, every every month or so. I was working on another documentary at the time. So American Gospel was like a part-time uh-huh. research and filming thing from 2015 to 2018. It wasn't until, you know, beginning of summer 2018, I started editing that footage and I finished in October. And that's when it was released. Of, of 2018. Um, so good, yeah. good three years. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and during that time, I shot the majority of the second film too. Oh, did you? So okay. I didn't okay. really know they were going to be two separate films. Yeah, but that's how it had to yeah. be. <laughs> well, it, it you know, the first one is powerful, and and I'm I really appreciate the fact, and I assume you you had influence on this that it's uh, the hour version of it is available on YouTube for free. You know, it's allowed people like me to give it to family, uh, share it with friends, and some of the and at the end of that, you you have testimonials of of I think pre- predominantly millennials who are mm-hmm. talking about the impact that it had on them. I know Lindsay Davis obviously is one who came yeah. out of Bethel uh, and was largely influenced by, by watching this. Um, I've got two kids who are in their, their 20s. My daughter's 30 now. And both of them were, when I gave them the film and they watched it, they were, it, it solidified some things. It, it, clar- it challenged, but also clarified some things theologically for them. But it really kind of, because my kids are used to, people that know me are, are used to me just really just talking about the simplicity of the gospel and um, and how we need to be reminded of it daily, and um, and that's a message of hope. You know, people, we need to be talking about how uh, the reason we're in the mess we're in is because we're sinners. And uh, you diagnose yeah. the problem, you give people hope. It's not it's not offensive. It's not harsh to tell people, hey, this is a reason you are struggling with this. You're a sinner, but guess what? There's a savior who, and that you know, that's that's I, I think uh, the underlying message of of your. Since since it's about the gospel, it's obviously a very simple documentary because <laughs> yeah. the gospel is very simple. So yeah, wonderfully wonderfully done. Um, it, I've I've watched both of them several times now and keep recommending it to people. Um, so you you did these you did these documentaries out of a burden. I, I'm just curious did did the burden increase? Did was it validated as you as you did this? further you went through this, like, man, this is a bigger problem than I thought. Yeah, definitely. Um, part of that happened, you know, after the release when, you know, we started getting messages from people who said they were impacted by it. Um, and particularly people around the world from different countries saying this is a huge problem in our country. You know, that that ended up beginning this process where people were volunteering to do subtitles for different languages. And I think at this wow. point we have 15 languages. Oh, that's marvelous. Yeah. So I, I definitely see the hunger for it. We hear about it and <laughs> we see it and hear about it in the inbox and how it's changing lives. So hmm. praise God that he was able to use it and is still able to use it. What did you learn about the American landscape relative to church that you did not anticipate or you you didn't see as as fully prior to the project yeah i think you know the prosperity gospel what you see on quote unquote christian television 
which I don't think is Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. any, anywhere where you're seeing these televangelists, they're not ashamed of asking for money and making these unbiblical promises. I think that's pretty obvious for most people that that's false if you aren't like in that type of church, indoctrinated into that. But the prosperity gospel, I think, fits under another category called the attractional church movement mm-hmm. or seeker-sensitive church. That is more subtle because it's not it is. Yeah. necessarily being um, as bold in the way that the prosperity gospel is. But they're using other things besides Christ to attract people. And that could be in the ways I described. It could just be as simple as ignoring the offensive parts of the gospel because your goal is to attract non-believers. Um, I I heard this language in like firsthand in the old church I was in. You'd have an Easter or Christmas service. And of of all times of the year, you'd expect gospel to be shared on those days, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sadly, that didn't happen. And, you know, I had some friends bring up concerns like, look, I've been having a conversation about my faith with some friends from work, and we invited them to church hoping that they'd hear the gospel during, you know, Easter or Christmas, and it didn't happen. And the response that I heard was, well, you know, we want people to come back. Uh, (laughs) Like, we don't want to jam religion down people's throats. Like, that was one of the um, comments they got from, like, feedback from someone who never went to the church. They're like, oh, I'm... That's interesting. Wow. We don't... We're so... uh, We're so attracted to this. We we, were, you know, we didn't want to have any religion jammed down our throat, you know, aka we don't want the gospel preached to us or be told any anything negative before, you know, you're told about the hope in the gospel. Um, So, Hmm. when I heard this, it was like, well, you want people to come back um, but they're not going to hear the gospel even on a normal Sunday. It's just going to be this. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like another shallow, they come yeah. back that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like going to a doctor because you got a severe pain in your stomach and he doesn't tell you that you've got pain in your stomach because he wants you to keep coming back, but you're never going to tell him he has pain in the stomach because he wants you to keep coming back. You know, he's paying, you're paying yeah. the bills, but you know, you want to know what's wrong, you know? And um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, and I, and I agree with you. And and I I like your distinction between the prosperity and the attractional because the prosperity, I think, is by and large viewed as extreme. And we can easily say, yeah, that's overdone. But the attractional, it's more palatable. You know, it's more sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, and and I'd say the 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 largest could be the focus could be something on like your purpose in life. Yeah. Like that could be the attraction, your dreams, your purpose, like the purpose driven life. I mean, yeah. it's not yeah. saying, oh, you're going to be rich if you come to God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we, we talked a little bit before recording about this and I'll mention it here that I, I've listened to a lot of messages during this, this uh, shelter at home season. Um, you know, by the way, I was talking to my son, we were sitting outside earlier. He's, he's an actor in New York City and he's living with us because he can't go back to New York City. So we yeah. so he's tired of hearing about the coronavirus. But we were we were talking about what are we going to call this period? You know, five years from now, what are we going to look back and refer to this yeah. period as? You know, but uh, yeah, a lot of messages about you know don't be afraid, you know don't don't be anxious, and uh, you know we're, uh, have courage, endurance, reach out to your neighbors, and and I'm thinking what an opportunity for people to to hear the gospel. Um, I have another friend who just wrote a blog. He had me uh, edit it this morning, uh, talking about how you know a virus is 
pestilence. It's, it's a plague. It's what, uh, through particularly the Old Testament, God sent plagues to, uh, to you know, to kind of a, you know, show his ju- judgment on, on sinful mankind, yeah. but also to call to repentance. And, yeah. um, and so his message in this blog is that this, it could be, in fact, generally, I think we can say that every time there is something like this, God is the one who is doing it because he's mm-hmm. sovereign. If yeah. he's sovereign, you have to believe that he is. Uh, and if so, what an opportunity, you know, and, and uh, one, of th- one of the questions I had to ask you, and you had a really an interesting perspective on this is, and it's back to the attractional thing, mm-hmm. uh, what it does to those churches. They're really left in a vacuum right now, you know, but we're longing for revival uh, during a time like this, but that requires that we're preaching the gospel. And yeah. I think you alluded that maybe you're not, you might not be able to speak too much into it because you've not been listening to, to a lot of people, but you had an interesting thought about this, this idea that it leaves the attractional church rather restless right now because uh, the very thing that they're built on is is now you know <laughs> yeah if you yeah if you're if you're stuck in your home office uh, on Zoom uh, you can't really <laughs> you can't keep up all the attractional stuff that well the pastor can learn to doing. do magic tricks and do that during a sermon <laughs> yeah I mean he's got plenty is, of time to work on those things right that, <laughs> that is true I mean there's the ability to show videos maybe but I feel like it could cause people to be more word focused because mm-hmm. the focus is more on what you're saying, not like what you're seeing or, you know, some churches try to create like an atmosphere with lights and their music and fog machines, all that type of stuff. It's probably going to help strip out a lot of that. I mean, in some cases we hope, it's going to yeah. continue because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are still live streaming from their church yeah. They're just on stage six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's more room for the smoke to emerge between <laughs> them as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, I think what we're really saying is we're hoping that one of the the impacts or implications of this is it is it has helped or forced the pastor to really think through in what he's saying, that the the message is really the the key thing. And we are hoping that he's He's pointing people to the gospel. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna come back to that just a little bit, but circle back on the on the second uh, documentary that you did. You you interviewed a good number of people who uh, were antagonists to the gospel, uh, which I thought was was wonderful. I'm, I'm I'm I thought that was well done, and I'm really glad you did that. Um, what was behind that? So um, I guess in 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 progressive Christianity, you know, I mentioned that. I was seeing some of those influences at the church I had attended. And part of that was friends of mine were going off to college and coming back with kind of progressive ideas about the authority of scripture, the atonement. And this kind of just, it was not really familiar to me. So I started researching. I just really felt that uh, I, I needed to reach out to some of these guys to have you know, a conversation and maybe make this into more of a debate. Now, in the first film, I did reach out to most of the uh, prosperity uh, people that I was criticizing, but everyone either declined or ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you didn't. You weren't offering enough money. So that's probably why they <laughs> turned it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, in this case, they were more open, and I 
my strategy was to be completely honest and again, offer them that ability to withhold signing the release until they mm-hmm. saw They saw it, yeah, and they all so, agreed. Well, the yeah. four, you had four, I think, Bart Campolo, what a character. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, and what a story. Yeah, he and his dad wrote a, wrote a book together uh, why I stayed, why I left, something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a documentary with them too. I think it's called Leaving My Father's Faith. Wow. Wow. It might be on Prime, Amazon Prime or something. Okay. Yeah. Definitely look for that. So yeah, you had, you had Bart Campolo, you had uh, Tony, what? Uh, uh, Tony Jones. Tony Jones. Yeah. 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 He's uh, kind of he's like an emer- a leader. emergent guy. Yeah. Yep. The emergent movement back in the nineties. And I had, uh, I had read his book called Did God Kill Jesus? And that was kind of like the basis of our conversation about the the cross, the atonement, mm-hmm. and his view of that. I really felt that including them would be like an important apologetic tool to help you know Christians like us uh, understand their thinking, so that when we have conversations with progressive Christians, we can know where they're coming from, mm-hmm. and and we can see how their arguments are responded to. Um, some people don't like <laughs> that aspect of this film. They they think, you know, I, I let them talk too much. Again, I don't think it's much different than the first film. In the first film, I was just using clips I found from the internet since no one agreed to mm-hmm. interview with me. But this is more like a debate between people. So every time they say something unbiblical, I have someone respond trying yeah. to correct yeah. No, that. Is that. Yeah, that that was really well done. And I think they represent the 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 common objections that the average person has and and so they touched you touched on those things and and mm-hmm. uh so i think there's there was two values of someone who's not a believer uh heard that so yeah i feel that same way and then you follow that up with a a solid yeah. biblical gospel response and uh and hopefully it, it led people to to say oh that i've never heard that answer that response before yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned my son lives in, in New York City and he's he's the only Christian that a lot of people, these people know, but they have such a formed idea of Christianity based on what they've heard and seen. And when they finally meet someone who who is one, it does something. It diffuses, you know, the uh, the, the the hardness and yeah. and makes them more responsive and it's powerful. Honestly, I feel like many progressive Christians have rejected a distorted version of the gospel. Cause when you talk to them about their understanding of well, what, what was the gospel that you walked away mm-hmm. from? It's, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. either like a, a legalistic type of gospel, mm-hmm. which isn't a gospel, like, you know, based on your works. Um, or, you know, I would say um, Bart, Bart Campolo kind of grew up in this, progressive Christian world, when you hear about, you know, you hear him respond to what he thought the atonement was about. It's the caricature. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a straw man. So he was rejecting a version that I would reject. Like that's not representative of what any person who believes. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like he was, I felt like he was reacting to his father more than he was to God. Yeah. So, well, I was really good. And then you had two podcasters as well who, who are uh, probably millennials. And I, I know I've heard of them before. And I think my son has, has heard of them. But uh, 
yeah, they were, it was almost mocking, uh, you know, their, their interaction together, uh, not just in the clips, but other stuff I've seen is, is really in, in a sense, you know, making fun of Christianity. Um, and I, and again, I thought it was good that, uh, because we need to know what people are thinking and how they're thinking, don't we? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's important when you watch that second film that you're mm-hmm. aware that there are these different perspectives. We have a mm-hmm. page on our website kind of explaining that a before you watch page, just because a disclaimer. some people, some <laughs> yeah. people based on watching the first film, were not expecting mm-hmm. to hear like an opposing side interview. Yeah. Well, I was, ple- I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think it would have made a difference to me, but I can, I can definitely understand that. Um, and it, Hey, it's your film. You can do what you want with it too. That's the beauty <laughs> of this, isn't it? Hey, we've been talking about the gospel, uh, a good bit here. And, uh, I, I thought it'd be good to, uh, again, mo- my audience, I always joke, I have two listeners and I know they're both Christians, uh, but maybe one of them needs to be reminded of what the gospel is. Uh, how would you, how would you sum up the gospel in a couple sentences? Yeah. Well, I, I always like to start with who is God. And in Exodus Mm -hmm. 34, we see that God is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, willing to forgive all types and kinds of sin, but he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Mm. So in that, in God's self-revelation to Moses, he's saying, I'm a God who's gracious and willing to forgive all sins, but I'm also just, and I can't forgive the guilty. So how does that work? How does a just God forgive wicked men without, you know, violating his own character, his own righteousness. Mm. And so the cross is really the explanation of how that happened. God in the person of uh, Jesus Christ takes on human flesh. He lives a sinless life um, and dies a substitutionary death for our sins. So on the cross, he's demonstrating his justice by punishing those sins that he passed over in the Old Testament. Like Mm. some people say, well, how did God forgive anyone before the cross? Or even progressives will say, well, Jesus forgave sins before, you know, he died on the cross. So that means we didn't really need an atonement. Mm. Well, Romans 3 says that he passed over. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over the sins previously committed so this means in the old testament god freely forgave noah david adam you know Mm. was showing grace and people who understood you know what i just mentioned that god is a just god would say how can you forgive those people god Mm. you said you're a just god they deserve to be punished well, he was demonstrating that he was a just God by punishing all those sins in the person of his, his son. Yeah. He took the debt, the justice that we owed and absorbed it into himself and died for our sins. Mm. So, mm. and then he resurrected on the, on the third day. So the gospel is the person of Christ and his work and, you know, what he has done to, to freely save sinners and, we see all of his attributes on display in the cross. Hmm. I'm sorry. That was like, that was, was not wonderful. No, nutshell you know what? gospel. <laughs> I was going to tell you whenever I hear that, uh, I, I feel so refreshed 
uh, I feel renewed. I feel excited. And again, I would, I would just urge the pastor uh, to just, to do what you just did to just rehearse the story, tell the story, tell that, that old and, and fresh and still new story. It might be new to someone uh, because, uh, you know, here I am, you know, I've been a Christian, a pastor for many years. When I hear the gospel, I, I just get a flood of, of uh, emotion running through me. And yeah. I'm, I feel, I feel clean, you know, when I, when I, when I hear the gospel put this way. Yeah. I love, I love second Corinthians five twenty one. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Uh, one yeah. verse um, it, it describes the gospel perfectly in, yeah. in this way. Um, let me, let me wrap up with this. Um, we've been talking a good bit here. Uh, based on what you saw, what you experienced, um, what you, what you really understood about the, the, the state of the gospel in America and, you know, as best as you can, where's, where are we heading? What's it going to look like? What's the church going to look like five, 10 years from now, based on what you're seeing? Well, in one sense, I think we'll continue to see the same errors because Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a new heresy. They just get recycled every generation. Um, But I think the culture, you know, increasingly is becoming more accepting of depravity. And that is going to create a kind of a growing apostasy where people who once claimed to be Christian are going to leave the faith, you know? Yeah. Uh, we've even been seeing a lot of that recently. Um, Mm -hmm. But as the pressure of the culture increases, you're going to see people having to decide between being persecuted or just being accepted and liked by, you know, Mm. everyone else. And so you're going to see simultaneously people, maybe like nominal Christians leaving the faith, but also the sheep who remain are going to be stronger. And I think mm-hmm. church history shows that persecution makes yeah. uh, the church stronger. Yeah. And you wonder this, whatever it is, we're going to end up calling this right now, uh, COVID-19 season or whatever. You know, we have yeah. 9-11, we have JFK, we have Pearl Harbor. You know, we're, we're going to have a name for this at yeah. some point. But I, I, I really am curious how this is going to change the uh, the landscape of the church, uh, and I think there's a there's a sobering answer to that, and there's an exciting answer to answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's uh, what's next? Uh, I think I heard in another interview that you did that you're you're working on another project. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a third American gospel film. At the moment, it's difficult because <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. travel or interview people, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of focusing on research right now and hoping and praying that I will have a window <laughs> in mm-hmm. the summer maybe yeah, where I can film. Um, but the topic will be kind of revisiting a similar topic as the first film, uh, but the Holy Spirit and the biblical person and work of the Holy Spirit compared to what is called the New Apostolic Reformation or the NAR Mm-hmm. which is like a sister movement to the word of faith or prosperity gospel. But the focus is more on the miraculous. Um, they believe in the office of apostle and prophet today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really 
twisting the gospel and, and I touch on this in the first film a bit, but this will give me an opportunity to get into much more detail because it's a huge, vast topic. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think it's, it's really needed. Um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, is misunderstood. Um, it's, it's affecting our missiology, you know, rather than presenting a, a simple message of what Christ has done for us, we're, we're expecting of our missionaries. And again, this, uh, this, our common friend and I, we both have a shared concern with this, that, you know, there's an emphasis on, on a, a display of God's power, you know, that for, yeah. for people to respond to God, they need to first see his manifest presence. They need to see his power. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Christ was crucified for that, you know, and, and he said, the only sign you'll see is a sign of Jonah, uh, who was yeah. in the belly of the earth for three days. So shall the son of man, you know, the only sign that's needed, the only power display we, we need to talk about is, is happened 2000 years ago, Yeah. you know, and so it's affecting our missiology. Um, I think you'll find that the more you, you talk with people and, and it's now, it's like, this is filtering down to the average person. You know, again, you have prosperity gospel, which is extreme. It's, it's outlier. Um, and then you had the attractional, which is, is really a large group. But I, I think the, uh, I mean, there's connections here, aren't there? You know, there's, there's definitely, yeah. there's overlaps. And, uh, you know, my, one of my concerns is I'm, I'm seeing that they're, they're, uh, you know, the story, the message we're offering to people is, is again, it's not the simple message of the gospel. And, um, you know, so yeah, it's uh, really look forward to that. And I hope that you're able to travel soon. Um, if you were able to travel, what would be the time frame for getting that out? Probably the end of 2021. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, you've got two good ones that people can keep watching and um, I'm hoping people who listen to this will, will get access to those and share them with people, share them with family members and um and just allow the holy spirit to use it to uh to bring people back again to the simple message of the gospel uh any final thoughts brandon i just really uh, i guess would reemphasize that the gospel is for christians mm-hmm. we need to be reminded of who jesus is and what he has done and if our churches are focused on anything else it's gonna it it leads to just either pride or despair if mm-hmm. you're just being taught a moralistic message do this and god will love you you either think well i have obeyed the law there's mm-hmm. pride or you're in despair because you know that you haven't mm-hmm. and what's missing is the hope of the gospel uh <laughs> yes you haven't kept the law perfectly, but Jesus did Jesus did, yeah. in your place and yeah. he took the penalty for your sins. So if the Bible, if the overall story of the Bible is about Jesus, the gospel, we need to make sure that every sermon is pointing in that direction mm-hmm. yeah. or our people won't have that hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about us. It's about Jesus, isn't mm-hmm. it? The, the scriptures, every story. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Brand, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. You did a, a great job articulating the thoughts and I did an okay job asking the questions, but you, you <laughs> made the questions look good because of the way you answered. So thank you. <laughs> really You're appreciate welcome. it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today, 
on the American gospel, the state of the gospel in America, you can email me. I'd love to hear from you at mitch at beforeyoquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Stay encouraged.